Okay, and welcome back. We're going to go with part two of answering our youth questions. Again, this is Moments of Enlightenment, and I'm Coach Cherry. And what we're going to do for these next two parts, um, we're going to do questions, and then we're going to implement um, some of the girls' answers to different questions that were asked of them. Um, and you'll get to hear in their own words, and we will not be using their names, but you'll get to hear in their own words um, some of the powerful things that these kids express um, that helps you realize their potential and their greatness. So it's going to be really, really fun, really, really interesting. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Okay, so we're gonna dive on in. And the first question is really interesting. So dealing with fear, how do I beat fear in my brightest light? I don't want to burn myself in the process of trying to shine. Okay, so this comes from this actually stems from, shall I say, <clears throat> this stems from someone being told either they're not doing something right or they're doing too much to the point where they feel that if they're being their best or they're becoming their best, that it's overshadowing or blinding out other people opportunity to be their best. And that's not right. Um, a child should not fear their light. They should not fear their greatness. They should never fear becoming who they're supposed to be and attempting to dim their light for other people. There, there is enough in this world for everyone to shine. I know it doesn't seem that way. You have to understand that this world is full of amazing people whose lights are so dim because they were told that they need to turn them down. This kid feels as if they continue to do their best and seek excellence that they may have an issue with friends or grownups or or different things that they want to get into with their growing into their greatness and shining their light as bright as possible. So the fear isn't about their light. It's being told or feeling that it's taking the shine off of other people. So in this case, you shine bright as you should. You become your greatest version of yourself. You will not burn yourself. You will only get brighter. And those that are led to you for whatever your purpose becomes, this is how they find you by locating your light. So don't fear your greatness. Grow into it. Okay. Why would someone lose everything for someone that could care less for them and their well-being. This one, this one is tricky because it's kids. 
Okay. So I, I don't know the context behind this. Um, I don't know. I don't have information on the intricacies of it. So I'm going to answer just blanket. So why would someone lose everything for someone who could care less for them and their well-being? That person makes them feel some type of way. And when I say that they allow this person ownership and control of their emotions, therefore the reaction that they're getting, that they are displaying due to this person, they feel makes them feel good or they're connected to that person or they're comfortable with that person, whether it's a negative relationship or a positive one. It really doesn't um, matter the negative or positive at this point, because if, if their belief that that person is good for them, there is, there isn't anything that anyone outside of themselves or that person that is going to change that perception of that person. And also you, you need to take inventory of, um, by, by, by looking at this question, um, if that person is being hurt or abused or anything like that, they by far have a low self-esteem, low confidence. So they're dealing with, um, no boundaries and a lot of negative energy around themselves. And they're also dealing in a negative, um, self-awareness to the point where they don't feel that they deserve anything better than where they are. Okay. So this is an inside job of someone who has to do the work, um, of understanding their worth, what they deserve, um, their level of confidence, their level of self-esteem, how they see themselves, their beliefs, their values, and where they fit in the grand scheme of things. What is one of the most important things to know when entering life independently? <laughs> okay. Um, for me, coming out of high school, I had already began working. Um, it was very stressful for me as far as the decision to go to college right out of high school, um, pretty much due to um, money and transportation. And um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. I had volleyball opportunities as well as um, some academic opportunities too. So, but I had already, began working at 16 for summer jobs and stuff. So when it came to knowing the responsibilities of having a job and a check and, um, paying certain things, um, by the time that I was 17 going on 18, um, I already had that experience. Um, so my my experience was different because of what was needed in my family dynamics 
as far as moving on independently. So what ended up happening a few years down the line, I ended up picking up everything um, with a bag that could carry my clothes, the clothes on my back and my last check from my job. And I literally moved from one state to the next. So that was really, really different. I, I experienced a different type of life at that point. Um, and that experience led me to understand that the world is not as, you know, fun when, when you're not being protected. So when, when we're looking at entering independently, you really have to focus on what your life is like right now. Okay. So if you're living at home with your parents and you're going to school, um, you, are you catching a bus going to school? Are they bringing you back and forth to school? Um, what provisions do your parents take care of for you? Are they the ones that are paying for your phone bill? Are they the ones that are buying your clothes? Are they shopping? Are they giving you allowance? I mean, you really have to understand that once you step out independently, what are your parents required or what are they not only are what they're required to provide for you, but are they willing to continue to provide for you outside of the household? Because are you leaving independently to go to school? That's one thing, you know, are they providing money in your account so you can eat, so you can do daily activities, or are you stepping out on your own and attempting to get a, an apartment and live on your own? Because that's a whole nother level with how much are you going to get paid? Um, where we are right now, it is really very, very hard because a job that pays you $8 and 50 cent an hour is not going to assist you in affording a one bedroom studio that is $1,100 and you haven't even turned on your lights or your water yet. So you really have to be very, very cognizant of what your parents are providing. Because once you leave from up under your parents' roof and you leave from up under that protection and those things that they are taking care of for you, and you have to do that all on your own. Now you're putting yourself in a position where you may or may not end up homeless. You may or may not eat every day. You may or may not have lights and water. And you really, really, really want to sit down and have this conversation with your parents for um, what are the expectations that you have moving forward, um, leaving out to live an independent life? What are your expectations that your parents will, that, you're, that you expect from your parents? And not only that, your expectations are going to be completely different from how they perceive what you are attempting to do. Do you have a plan? Do you have goals? Is it written out? I mean, do you have steps of how you're going to accomplish all of these different things? And when you sit down with your parents and you guys begin to have this conversation inside that conversation, you're going to figure out whether this is going to be a good move for you or should you stay and build yourself up and 
um, develop more goals and look at the whole bigger picture to reach your dreams. So this is really a, a, a very important conversation that needs to be had with you and your parents. And the best way to do that is be open and honest about what you expect versus what can happen. Okay. Why do I push people away? Now, with this question, um, this this is a a young lady um, who's been struggling with different things: um, self image, low self esteem, um, low confidence level, and very very quiet. So. Um, there's one thing that we have to understand about quiet kids is, is, is not that they are timid or anything like that. They don't trust themselves enough to say the right things around people. And they are very, very, um, cognizant of when they speak the way people react to them. And that's really something that's very, very important to them because the way people perceive them, those people's perceptions of them, um, those people's opinions of them matter more to them, more to the quiet kid than the kid's own opinion of themselves. Okay. And this, this is a kid and this can be any kid because we have a lot of these, this is a kid who doesn't trust themselves because they haven't been taught those things. They, they don't believe in themselves. They, they have no confidence about themselves because they're not being encouraged. Even though we as parents will sit around and tell our kids, oh yeah, you can do that. I have no, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you can't do that. You know, and we, we see this as a way of encouraging our kids and motivating our kids and, oh, won't you just go out there and do it? Just try it. You shouldn't be afraid of that. And that's okay for competitive kids. Quiet kids are not motivated like that. Quiet kids are not encouraged in that way. So what we have to do as parents is really get to know our children. Why is my kid so quiet? Is it because they're very observant and they're looking and learning or do they have self-esteem issues? Do they have self-image issues? These are questions that as a parent, and I, trust me, I understand, I get it. We're afraid to ask these kind of questions because we don't really want to hear the answers, which means that we're not doing the job that we are supposed to do as parents. So when this kid asks, why do I push people away? You push people away because you don't want to be the reason someone isn't happy with you. You push people away because you don't trust yourself not to buy into the peer pressure. You push people away because you don't trust yourself to make decisions that are right for you. You push people away because you're not motivated to take up for yourself. You're not motivated to take 
and build boundaries. You push people away because you know how you treat you and you don't want them to treat you that way because of your emotional, your emotions. Okay. So where do we go from here? This, this is a parental issue. This is where you go to your parents and you bear your soul to how you feel, how you've been dealing with things, how you see things, your beliefs. And at this point, you really don't have many values because you don't believe anything positive about yourself. People can tell you you're beautiful or, oh my gosh, that looks so good on you, or you are so smart. And those things don't move you. It's like you, you're expected to be these things. You're expected to be smart. You're expected for this to look good on you. You're expected for this to be easy. And when you're expected for all of these things to happen, you have nothing that you can literally build a belief system off of. And that's where your parents come in when it comes to encouraging your growth by learning to trust yourself, learning to build up your confidence, learning to build your self-esteem and your self-image. And that all comes from getting to know who you are. What things do you like? What brings you joy, like genuine joy? How do you become your authentic self if you don't even know who your authentic self is? How can you keep people around you? How could you want to keep people around you when you don't even want to be around yourself? So that's something for you to sit in and ask the questions. Remember, we always ask the questions. Why do I feel this way? And then where am I feeling this? And then assess the situation in every single part of your body. And then when, when, when you have these answers, take these answers to your parents, open up the lines of communication. Parents, we have to be open to speaking with our kids. We have to be open to being vulnerable emotionally around our kids. They think that we are so strong in our emotions and that we can handle this. We're not even understanding what it took for you to get to where you are and you're still not where you want to be. So this kid is suffering in silence because their parent is most likely not living authentically and not showing or opening up their emotional vulnerability to their kid. And this could, it could potentially end really bad. So all I'm asking is that we open up the lines of communication for our children so that they feel comfortable enough coming to us rather than coming to the outside. Because right now that's the easiest thing for them to do um, talk to somebody on the outside, which I do encourage that because there's a non-judgmental factor out there as a parent. I mean, that's pretty much what we do. We judge them for what every single thing that they do. And if they feel that that's going to happen in a serious situation like this, we're just going to tear them down some more with the judgment. And then they're not going to want to open lines of communication with us anymore. So we have to be mindful of what we're projecting out to our kids, how our kids are perceiving how we handle our emotions. 
So one of the questions I love to ask the kids when we first start working together, um, how do you define success? And what I'm going to do is I am going to go through a couple of their answers on this question before I get back to their questions. And then um, we'll go through um, two more, you know, like two more questions that I asked them. So how do how do you define success? So, and this is a kid's answer. I, um, I want, I think this kid is 17. Um, I define success as improving and learning from my mistakes by progressing and staying mentally focused throughout the achievements of my goals. And then the way I define success is a goal I put a lot of effort into accomplishing. Something you work towards that you accomplished. And, and these are, um, like I said, these are, these are kids. Um, and one of, one of those answers was from a 14 year old. Um, I define success as the accomplishment of goals act and activities that cause significant or minor change in my life for the better. Um, this is a current senior. Um, and this young lady is a 10th grader. Success is when you reach a long or short, short term goal you've been working towards. Um, another one I define success when I see my, see self growth within myself because self growth is a huge accomplishment to me. Um, I define success as a feeling of accomplishment towards a particular goal. I define success as self growth. I mean, when you're looking at it, kids talking about self growth, being a part of success, when you can sit and ask an adult, how do they define success? And we get way more materialistic answers. So um, my, de my definition of success is reaching all of your goals and going farther than you believed you could after achieving those goals. That's a 10th grader. Um, how do I define success? I define success as me being the best person I can be only co competing with myself, growing into the person I want to be when I grow up. These are children who actually looked at what they have going on and define success in the most personal of levels. There is they talked about goals. They talked about achievement. They talked mainly about how it made them feel to be successful and the growth that it's going to take for them to see the success. And this is one of the reasons I work with kids like I do, because knowing that growth is what accelerates our success and knowing that their majority of their definitions of being successful has nothing to do with the materialistic things in the world, that it takes everything from the inside to be able to see the success on the outside. Imagine if you were a youth, 
Imagine in your youth, you had this type of training and this type of open communication and this type of, of ways that you could connect with an adult that talked to you as if you were somebody that was to be valued so that you can really expound on your level of communication and how you saw something that is possibly years off. Imagine being encouraged to start from the inside where success and growth really begins and all of those ideas and goals begin to become more clear and that you're able to express your level of understanding for what you actually feel is successful. Your kids are absolutely amazing. How can I stay positive around my teammates on a bad day? Okay. Um, as a coach, I always tell um, the players uh, and I inform the parents as well. When a, when a kid is having a bad day, it disrupts everything that they do. Um, they haven't been taught how to process that type of day. So whatever emotions that they're feeling, they carry it all the way through. And if they're going to school in the morning and then that 3.15 bell ring and practice starts at 3.45 or four o'clock, whatever time that happens, they still have not had the opportunity to to process the day that they're having. They haven't had the opportunity to, to check in with themselves or the emotions that they're experiencing. Um, I don't work in the school system, but I have been up to different schools and the level of, of, or shall I say the lack of the kids opportunity to have someone genuinely sit there and listen and that's able to assist them in processing through their emotions in the school system is extremely laughable. Okay. Um, and, and I don't say that lightly. I am saying that knowing that I've come across like two, three amazing counselors, um, at, some schools and they'll drop anything to be able to assist these kids and, and, and just help them process. The issue isn't that you don't have those that are help you. The issue is allowing the kids to get to them. Okay. But in this case, what I do, and, and it's part of the initial, what I do, if they are having a bad day and if it is, if it's so difficult that it will cause a disruption across the gym, by all means, go home, go home, find someone to talk to. Um, if, if you don't want to go home and, and it's me as a coach, I will, my job is to find someone that you could talk to during our practice time, take that time away from practice and go and take care of your mental health. That is top priority for me. I do not play with that type of stuff. 
Okay. Um, if there's no one available or if they feel that they, they're just going to be a disruption and they understand that, then they can go home. If they feel that they don't want to be alone and um, even though they feel they'll build distraction, we in the bleachers or you walk around, you, you are away from the floor. And then we do check on you. We check in, we, we talk to them and we see exactly what we can do and where we need to, to, um, send them to from there. Okay. But in this case, it looks like, um, this kid wanted to be in practice, wanted to be around her teammates. She wanted to, um, be a part of the team activities and the team practices and stuff. So, um, in this case, I would definitely have the team do something else while I pull this kid to the side along with another coach and we will process emotions right there. Um, and when I say process emotions, I, I'm not looking for what's going on. I'm not looking for the story. I'm not looking for details. I, I'm not looking for the details. How are you feeling? What emotion are you feeling? And where is that emotion at? Okay. Because my job as a mental focus coach and my job in knowing how to do, um, knowing how to deal in emotional, um, release is I can pinpoint where it is and I can release that so that when she goes back to deal with that again, she's learned a lesson from that and she can move forward. Okay. So my, my goal is to make it better for her, not just for the moment, moving, but moving forward. Okay. So, and that, that's what I would do in that situation. And I understand that a lot of people don't have these skills. They don't have these tools. They're not, um, certified in these types of things. So if you end up with a kid that wants to stay positive, allow them not to be inauthentic, allow them to actually be themselves and express exactly what they're feeling because you never know by that kid talking about their emotions and what they're feeling in the moment. You can have other players that are feeling the exact same thing, which has happened before. And we literally stopped practice and had a whole session because that was the best thing that was needed in the moment to allow that emotional release, do a breathing session, let them get water, and then we're back into it. So you want to always take care of the kids' mental focus, their mental health first and foremost. Okay. So um, when they're having a bad day, allow them to express it. And for this kid, when talk to your teammates, tell them what you're feeling so that they can understand and empathize or, oh my gosh, I'm same thing. I mean, because you never know someone else could be going through exactly what you're going through or dealing with the same type of emotions. Do not hold it in. Talk to someone about it. What is the best way to humble yourself in a positive way? What I want to look at first is the fact that this child feels that being humble is a negative thing that in any capacity that this, this isn't positive or a good thing being humble. Um, and the dictionary tells us that being humble is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance, um, low social administrative or political rank. Um, it's lower in dignity or 
importance. I mean, the sad part about being humble is the fact that you go from words like meek and respectful to words like low and lower class, plebeian, humiliate, demean, belittle, degrade. And that is not at all what being humble should be about. You know, when, when, when you are a gifted kid, it just means that you don't boast and you're not proud and you don't let your ego blow past your head. I mean, it, it has, it should not be a, a word that negates all of a kid's greatness. It should not be that in order in order for somebody else to be seen, you need to humble yourself so low that that person excels over you. It should never be that. Okay. Being humble is knowing what your greatness is and not being boastful about it. Being able to reflect on everything that you've achieved and still be able to celebrate that without diminishing the capacity of someone else's celebration or what someone else has accomplished. Being humble should never have been a negative emotion that this kid felt. Okay. So now she has to figure out how to not be boastful and be positive with it. And how do we do that? She's already took ownership of her accomplishments. Every single accomplishment. And I tell my kids all the time, celebrate that. It doesn't matter how small it is. That's something that you accomplished. That's a huge thing. That's, that's, that's big. Celebrate that. There are going to be people who are not happy that you're celebrating. There are going to be people that are ecstatic for you. It's not about everyone else. This is an inside job. This is all about you and how you feel, how you grow, how you build your self-esteem, how you build your confidence. And this is one of the ways to do it. And if you are seeing and feeling being humble as a negative thing, erase humbleness out of your vocabulary, erase it out of your system because you're great in every capacity. You're already achieving things. You're already being able to celebrate your life and growing through your situations. And that's amazing at this age. Okay. And, and not allowing other people to give you a feeling of a negative connotation for something that you've accomplished or achieved. And as parents and adults, it's our job to make sure that the kids understand that completely. They need to absolutely understand that when they accomplish something, we're right there cheering them on. And because another person or another child isn't excelling as your child is, does not mean that your child has to dim their light on their accomplishments. There are ways to, to encourage the other kid to do even better. And think about it. If that kid is excelling, they're still excelling. That's still something to celebrate. They are not gonna excel the same. They're not gonna accomplish the same. They're not gonna win 
the same. It's not going to look the same as my kid or your kid or any other kid. Their wins are their wins. So in this instance, remove humbleness. That being humble doesn't make you feel good. So remove it. You don't need it. And I know most people be like, well, you know, they, they, they do need to humble themselves. Why you, as a matter of fact, you need to look inside yourself and figure out why you feel that a child needs to be belittled or demeaned in their achievements to the point that you say that, because it's evident that's the definition that resonates with her. So as an adult, you need to check that. You need to ask yourself the questions. Why do I feel that that kid needs to humble herself? And not only that, what is my definition of humble? We need to be there encouraging our kids. We need to be there motivating our kids and moving them forward. Because, I mean, these are the ones who are going to change the world. And we don't need someone who's already strong in their conviction of who they are, humbling themselves and, and dimming their light because you said so. So we have work to do. But in this instance, ma'am, you're amazing. If humble doesn't feel good to you, scratch it and eradicate it from your vocabulary, remove it from your system, and continue being great. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and delve into the one of the second questions that I asked them. And that question is, what must I do to obtain my level of success? Um, when we're looking at what must they do, and this is just them, I, I, I don't guide them on these questions. I honestly just tell them to go inside and whatever you feel that very first initial that's what you should write down so let's go through a couple of these and like i said this these kids range from um ninth grade up to being seniors um i actually have some kids that i worked with in middle school as well so when you're listening to these answers these are from middle school to high school kids so what must i do to obtain my level of success I must push myself every day and keep a positive mindset. In order to obtain my level of success, I must put forth maximum effort in order to meet my goals at whatever task at hand. To obtain my level of success, I must be able to set goals to reach and not set myself short or sell myself short. And that's very important because that that's a level of self-belief of what they can and cannot do. So her awareness that she actually sells herself short, that means in, in other words, she, she questions her abilities and capabilities of doing things, even though she recognizes her potential. And that's really, really good because this is a ninth grader. Okay. Um, in order to obtain or achieve my level of success, I must create a goal. Then I must create small goals or steps that will lead me to what I want to accomplish. Like I said, guys, these are ninth graders. Um, 
I need to let go of a lot of the negativity and self-hatred I put on myself so that I can grow. Now, when I see the word self-hatred, it's not in the context of, oh my God, I hate myself. This particular kid is a, is a high potential, high level, very, very smart, um, straight A student and her level of athleticism is off the charts. So this kid is a kid with extremely high potential, which is why you see the negative connotations so heavily laid throughout her answer. Um, because when you're that high level in both athleticism and your academics, you're seen differently. Expectations are different. Um, the perception of of you is different. So you tend to be extremely harder on yourself than people really are with you. So this is um, a, a, a piece of self-awareness that she understands she does to herself. And in order to keep herself on track, she needed to, to, to acknowledge and take responsibility that she's doing these things to herself and no one else outside of her is to blame. So that's really, really huge for a kid that's just in the ninth grade. Um, another one, um, what do I need to let go of to obtain my level of, su of success? I need to let go of a lot of bad habits. Um, I feel that I have to block out negative energy and having a negative state of mind. By doing this, I can refrain from destroying my self-confidence and keeping away from self-doubt. That is so key when we're dealing with kids because they have a lot of peer pressure. And if their confidence is, is low and their self-doubt is low, they tend to fall into the clutches of peer pressure, which means that they're no longer making decisions that are best for them. So the fact that this young lady understands the need to maintain her self-confidence so that she can strengthen her self-doubt is paramount. That's absolutely amazing. To obtain success, I need to let go of my feelings. I overthink simple things and often scare myself out of doing something. When I let go of my feelings, I get a lot more done. And this is the case in the majority of the children. This is a, a serious thing that normally happens. They overthink, if not second guess. And that is completely normal. At the same time, when they do that, they place fear where there should not be. Okay. So there, she understands that she's creating these things herself and no, and it has nothing to do with anyone else. And she also acknowledges that when she doesn't do this, she accomplishes many of her goals and stuff. So when I tell you guys that these kids understand, they are so self-aware and that they understand how emotions and feelings work and how it affects their mental well-being. They get it. They just need us to listen more and tap in and have those conversations. Okay, so this has been a very interesting episode. Like I said, um, the questions and then 
the answers that they gave to the questions that I asked um, were just mind blowing the awareness that these kids have. And the fact that they absolutely know what moves them. They absolutely, absolutely understand what they need. They know, I mean, they recognize their feelings. They recognize that it's an inside job. They take responsibility and they accept their part in their lives. So that is really, really huge. We as parents have really got to open up the lines of communication to get to know our kids better and to know exactly where they are in life and the things that we can do to help be more encouraging and more motivating for them. So we're going to move on and in part and there's a part three. So because we have more questions and then I have the last question that I asked them. So look forward to part three and thank you guys for being here.